And my wife worked with a ministry or developed a ministry uh, to prostitutes and trafficked women. And then three years ago, we moved down to Athens, where God called us to continue the work and to develop the work there, uh, working specifically with pastors again and partnering with missionaries and as well as with um, foreign Christians or foreign pastors who come into Athens. There is a huge need for the gospel in Greece, uh, both in uh, in the churches, working with the churches who are very small in their numbers, probably about 200 churches in the whole country. We have about 10 and a half, 11 million people in the, in the country of Greece with less than 12,000 believers uh, in the country. Oh, thank you. That's yeah, okay. I'll drink it and do something. Um, we have... Uh, it's about less than 0.02% of the country that believe in Jesus Christ today. It's 98% Greek Orthodox. And uh, what that means basically is that they call themselves Greek Orthodox. They do not attend church except for maybe Easter or for a funeral or for a wedding. But less than 2% of the 98% even go to church regularly in the Orthodox Church. So we're dealing with a, a country that really has a very nominal uh, understanding of Christianity even though the New Testament was in Greek, even though the church was first started outside of Jerusalem in Greece uh, through Lydia, if you remember the story, Paul coming into Kavala and Philippi, uh, the church today is dead. And so we are excited to be there and we love being there. As you know, in the news has been in crisis. Um, it's, it's been everything you see on TV and more, the strikes, the riots, but what you don't see so much is the despair. A lot of people are just driven into despair, depression, suicide is rising. Uh, it's a very hard time right now for the Greek people. But this is the perfect time for the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the gospel that gives us hope. It's the gospel that shows us the way. It's the gospel that shows us that we can have life through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter about our circumstances or our world. We know the testimony, the martyrs who've gone before us, people who have suffered in the name of Jesus Christ, who had very little and yet had full life in Jesus Christ and hope and passion and joy and peace. And that's what we want to bring to people in Greece. And my wife works with the women, uh, trafficked women and prostitutes in Athens as well. And we're just really glad to be there. We do have prayer cards in the back. And if you'd like to get on our mailing list, you're welcome to sign up. There's a sheet back there as well. Now, let's turn to the Bible. <clears throat> I'm so thankful to be here today on the Memorial Day weekend. I'm so glad that I didn't have to come up and preach right after that video. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, you know, trying not to cry, and it was just really touching, but just a great reminder. Um, I know, I feel like my children would have been in that movie theater too with their iPods and headsets on, but I hope that they also will begin to see more and more the honor that is associated with the, the men and women who have fought for our, our freedom and for others' freedom. So thank you again. Through that, I felt like God was leading me to talk about courage because it's the courage that we remember this weekend, is it not? It's the courage of the men and women who have fought for us and fought for our country, for our freedom, and help others find freedom. And I thought it would be good for us to look at Joshua. Joshua, but also in comparison to our lives too. We know the verse in Joshua, but I'd like us to look a little bit deeper into those verses, looking at the call to courage that God gave on a Joshua and that God gives to us. We see that carried through the New Testament. I believe that we need courage today more than we ever do. And we need it desperately um, in our societies as well as in the military. Webster defines courage as the mental or moral strength to venture, to preserve, to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. 
I like that. I like the idea of venture and persevere because courage is not just about being brave. It's about pushing through and persevering uh, without the fear and the danger. We also see the word encourage. We use that in our, in our vocabulary a lot. To encourage someone literally means to put courage into someone. The N is a Greek word. It means in. So to actually to inspire with courage, the spirit and hope. The opposite, of course, of courage we see is the cowardly behavior. It's without the confidence. It's living in fear and in this kind of shameful thing. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. I will have a few verses on the overheads, but the main passages, I hope to get you to open your Bibles that are in front of you. Because uh, I believe the best thing to do is to look right into God's Word and to uh, be familiar with that. Deuteronomy, I do not know what pages on your Bibles there, but Deuteronomy 31. I'm going to read the first five verses. I'll actually read the first eight verses altogether. Because this is when Moses is ready to go. He knows his time on earth is done. Moses was used by God to bring the people out of Egypt, correct? He gets out of Egypt, but he was not able to take them to the promised land because of his own sin. When he turned against God for a brief time, he rebelled, he disobeyed God, and God said, for that, you're not going to be able to do this. But he did use him to get him to this point. But he said, now it's time for Joshua to take over. And God's going to use Joshua to take them across the Jordan and into the promised land. So let's look at this basically passing of the torch from Moses to Joshua. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possessions of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with his people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Now, if you would, just turn a few pages ahead. We're going to look at Joshua 1. Joshua 1. Before we read Joshua 1, a few verses there, what we see happening in Deuteronomy is that Moses is basically preparing the people and preparing Joshua for what's coming. They know that there's going to be some tough times. It's not just a matter of taking a walk, a long journey like the frontier, the pioneers did in the old days to go to find their homeland, but they knew that they were going to be confronting some problems on the way. There will be some fights and some battles, but God's going ahead and he's going to destroy them. And the application we need to see in that passage alone is that we know where we're going as children of Christ. People that have received Christ as their Savior, we've given our life to him, we know that that cross was for us. We belong to him. We have an inheritance, don't we? We have the promised land. We know that someday we're going to be in heaven with him. But we have a battle. We have a journey. And it's not an easy walk. And what impressed me here was that God was saying to the people, it's going to be tough, but have courage. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm already gone ahead of you. So don't be discouraged, but have courage. 
Let's look at Joshua 1 now. And we're going to look at what God said to Joshua in verses, let's just read 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Again, now Moses is gone. And God said to Joshua, everything I told you is going to happen. Be ready. It's not going to be easy, but I promise I'll be with you. Be strong and courageous. Isn't it amazing that God had to say that to him three times? Why wouldn't once be enough? Because he knows we're human. And we too, if we knew what was ahead, we'd be scared. And actually we can know what's ahead. And I'm not talking about visions and dreams, although maybe God could do that. God can do that. Maybe he would do that, but... The point is we know that we are living in the end times. We're living in a time that is difficult. We live in a time where we're going to have persecution. We see it all around us. The battle is no longer just across the sea. It's in our neighborhoods. Many of you know what happened to the Boy Scouts this week, I'm sure. Am I right? Nod your head. Okay. Well, the Boy Scouts, for those who are shaking this way, uh, basically they accepted uh, homosexuality to be, uh, how would you say that? They op- It's open homosexuality among the boys who come into Boy Scouts. They've restricted the leaders still not to have open gay uh, leaders, but they give open gay boys join, which is, of course, the next step to open gay leaders coming into the Boy Scouts. We're seeing things change daily in our society. The values that we had 100 years ago, or even 50 years ago for our soldiers who, who fought, we have changed. The values are lowered and lowered and lowered, and they will continue to get lower. I often say I do not believe that we should pray for world peace. I don't like the Christmas cards that promote world peace because we know the end. Revelation says there's not going to be world peace until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes back and rules. Amen? So we have this journey ahead of us. It's not going to be easy. And we need courage. So we know God also is calling us to have courage. And we're going to see that as we dig a little deeper. But let's look at why we need the courage. Why we need the courage. The first one we're going to see, you have a page in your bulletin, I think, for notes. So I didn't give you the outline, but I gave you the title, and you're welcome to write these things down to help you remember. They're pretty basic, but I think they'll be good for us to look at why we need to remember to obey. If you see in verse 6 through 8, Joshua was called to do something. It says he was called to lead these people and to inherit the land I swore. Be strong and courageous. Second time, verse 7, to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it. And then it goes on in verse 8. It says, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate day and night. Obey the word of the Lord. Obey his commands. 
We need courage to do that. We need courage to wake up every day and take time to read His Word. We need courage to be able to stand by what God says instead of what the world says. We have three daughters, as I showed you, and two of them are in high school right now. This is their first time ever being in an American public high school or public school. So you can imagine the culture shock they faced. They were in Greek schools all their lives and then uh, till middle school, and then uh, they homeschooled them to get them ready in the American system. And then they went to boarding school for one year. And then uh, coming back this year, our 18-year-old is a senior and our 16-year-old is a sophomore. And I would say the number one shock for us as parents is the things they're being bombarded with. We knew you were being bombarded with them, but we knew we were a little protected being in an orthodox country that restricts a lot of things. And, um, and it's, to be honest, it's not as liberal. It's more conservative in a lot of ways. It's less, it might be less spiritually alive, but um, we don't have teachers teaching homosexuality is okay and normal. We don't have teachers teaching <clears throat> that all religions are equal or minimizing Christianity and maximizing other religions. Minimizing creation, but maximizing or you know, emphasizing evolution. Um, these are things we're facing. And our kids are being bombarded. Our daughters are being bombarded with these ideas. So what we've taught them at home is now being challenged. But dad, these are nice people. But dad, our teachers say, but dad, I said, well, what does God say? We need courage to obey God's laws today. God knew that Joshua was going to need courage to obey his laws in order to endure the journey ahead, to be able to stand up against the enemy. Because as you know, through all the Old Testament, all those battles with Israel, they go into these countries. What often happened? They gave in to the culture of the, of the people they conquered. If they, remember, this, there were times when they left the women or the children, or they, they, they took the idols and the gold. They disobeyed God when God said, destroy everything. He had a reason, because he wanted his law and his way to rule. But what happens oftentimes is that we tend to let the other laws and the other ways, other cultures influence us more than us influencing them. We need courage to be able to say, I don't believe that. I'm not going to be harsh on you. I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm not going to call you names, but I don't believe that. I believe what God says. That takes courage. Courage to obey God's commandments and to follow his call. <clears throat> I'd like you to look at some verses. Um, we have um, show me the next one, please. John 14 and 15. We're not going to turn there. That's okay. But John 14 and 15, basically Jesus was praying for his disciples and talking to them, talking to his disciples as well. And 14 is where he says about the vine, right? And 15, I am the vine, you're the branches. And the whole two chapters is about, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. Stay in my word. Obey my commandments. Walk the way I walk. Do what I say. Obey my commandments. Jesus telling the disciples and the people around him, stay with me, love me, obey me, and we will bless you. My Father and I will bless you. We'll be with you. We'll take care of you. So to believe, obey, walk, to walk as live and love him, Jesus. Another great verse is Revelation fourteen twelve, <clears throat> And I don't remember this verse, but it came up when I looked up the word courage, and I liked it a lot because... This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. This is during the tribulation. This is during the time when um, the Antichrist is after the tribulation. The Antichrist is going to be uh, attacking and, and, and the people are going to be taking the, um, the mark of the beast. And those who don't take the mark of the beast, this is who he's referring to. 
So this calls for patient endurance. And that patient endurance, it literally means, in Greek it's ipomoni. Ipomoni, we still use that today in modern Greek. It means to have patience, but it's more than just patience. It means to, uh, ipomoni, to remain under, to withstand, to stand strong, to remain under, to not give in. So here it says, this calls for that kind of stand strong, don't give in, don't give up on the part of the saints because we obey his commandments and remain faithful to him. That's the kind of courage we need, and that's the obedience God desires. The second thing, reason we need to have courage is to fight. Look at Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. This is soon after the battle of Jericho. And... The sad news is that sin entered the Israelites' camp. They did what we said before. They took in some of the idols. They started getting mixed up with the, with the pagans. And God said, this is why you're having problems. So you need to clean up the camp. And some people died. Well, <clears throat> here, after they stoned the people had, that had sinned against God, we'll see what God's going to do. He, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I, for I have delivered into your hands the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. Courage was needed to fight. Courage was needed because they knew they were going to be standing up against people that could probably wipe them out. But God said, no, I'm going to go ahead of you, and I'm going to take care of that. They needed courage to fight and to stand to trust God to win the battle. Then you look at chapter 10, verse 25. Chapter 10, verse 25. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies who are going to fight. And then verse 26 says, Then Joshua struck and killed the kings and hung them on five trees, and they were left hanging on the trees until evening. God said again to them, don't be discouraged. Have courage. You will win. I'm going before you. I'm going to take care of you. Our application, when we know we're in a fight, we know that already God's called us to be in a battle. He's called us to have courage because we're going to need courage. Oftentimes we back away and say, I can't do that, God. I can't fight that, God. I don't want to fight that, God. But God's called all of us to fight. To fight what is the question? Look at Ephesians 6.10. Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are called to a battle, all of us. Some of us choose to go and fight for our country and for our freedoms and for our convictions. I like in the video that one person said, for righteousness. We are all called, however, to fight as soldiers, as children of God, to fight the spiritual battle. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as a church is that we end up fighting man rather than fighting evil. And I think in the issue of homosexuality or in the issue of abortion and other moral issues that we should be fighting against, we should not be fighting against people. We should be fighting against the spiritual powers. We should be praying. We should be speaking up. We should be trusting by God, his word, to stand strong. And we should be representing God in the best way we can. But we don't need to be tearing down people. We already have a bad reputation, don't we? What we need to do is be representing Jesus Christ. And we have a battle that we are called to and that we can have courage to. 
I was in some of those marches um, back in the 80s for abortion, the, the protest to stand, and I held a sign, and I think that was fine. But this, to yell at people and condemn them and scare them or to yell at homosexuals or those who support homosexuality is not helping the name of Christ. That's not the battle God's called us to. He's called us to have courage to stand up for what is true, what we believe, what God says, not what I think, what God says, not what I want. That's where we need courage to stand up and fight today. We also need courage to survive. Look at Joshua 23. Joshua 23. We look at verses 6 through 11. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you... One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. They needed courage to survive. Every day was going to be difficult for them. They knew the influences around them were coming at them and they needed courage to be able to survive in their, cultural, their culture that they were living in and the cultures that they continued to encounter. We need courage to survive, not just to fight, but to stand strong to remain strong in him, to not allow those influences to come into our life. If you look at the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I don't know. I don't think I... Oh, I do have it. Good. Therefore, we do not lose heart. <clears throat> now, right there, that lose heart is also the same word in the Greek they use for courage. It's actually... It's the, we say we have heart. Have heart. Take, take heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix a, that's supposed to be our, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Aren't those encouraging verses? We don't have to lose heart. We know there's going to be troubles around us. We know there's difficult times, whether it's financial, moral, physical. We know we're going to have those times. But God says, don't lose heart. You might be wasting away on the outside. I know I am. My back hurts worse and worse all the time. It's a reminder of my body changing. But inwardly, I want God to be glorified. Inwardly, he's doing great things in me and new things. And we know that these little things happening today are small in comparison to the great things God's going to do. So we have to have courage to survive in our day each and every day. Now, how can we have that courage? Let's look back to Joshua 1, 1 through 5. We have to have faith. It takes faith to have courage today. I know for our soldiers, it would be difficult to have courage if they didn't believe in what they're fighting for. Am I right? It's what gives them the, the courage to go out and fight is because they, know, they believe that what they're fighting for is worth it. It's important. Or if their commander gave them an order to say, go do this, they, ha- they had to have courage to do that. The courage was because they knew that their commander wanted them to do it and they trusted the commander had the right thing for them. We, too, can trust our commander. If you look at chapter 1, again, verse 1 through 5, we see in there over and over again where God says, this is what you're going to do. This is what Moses, I promised Moses, right? 
And then he says, like in verse 4, your territory will extend from the desert. So right there, there's a promise. Right there, They can trust that. No one, verse 5, will be able to stand up against you. Well, that would take faith right there. But God, you're saying no one's going to be able to stand against me? Not one person? I mean, that would be hard for me to trust, to have faith. But that's why Joshua could have courage and people could because when God says something, he does it. Amen? God's promises are true always. He holds to every one of them. Amen? So right there, we have that faith. We know if God said it, he's going to do it. So if he said it, I can have courage to do it. I don't have to doubt because once the doubt comes in, the courage goes down. So we also have to have that faith. We, by faith, we can have courage. When we increase our faith, we can increase our courage. You look at Matthew 14, verses 25 to 31. You don't have to look it up. But that's basically a story. Um, well, let me look it up because I want to make sure I get it right. Matthew 14, 25 to 31, right. It's the one where Jesus walked on the water and the disciples are on the boat and the storm comes and they see this ghost walking towards them, but it's Jesus. And they're all freaking out and they're like, what's going on? Who's that? They're scared. And they see Jesus, and Jesus says, it's I. And what does Peter do? You remember? He says, Lord, if it is you, right? If it is you. I took some audacity, but I admire his honesty. If it's you, then let me come to you. So what does he do? He steps out of the boat, starts walking, but then he started to fall. Now, what got him out of the boat? It could have been craziness, but most likely it was faith, a little bit of faith that he had. But soon that faith started to go. And what happened? He sunk. But then Jesus reached him back up, which I love because that's that second chance that he gives us every day to say, have faith again. There was a great book out by John, was it John Ortberg that wrote that book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Step Out of the Boat. We need faith to walk on water. We need faith to have courage today. So Jesus was modeling that same exact thing that he modeled for Joshua in the Old Testament, war after war, he models for us and says, have faith in me, and that will give you courage. The second thing, the second way we can have faith is our um, courage is without the fear. I could say with fearlessness, but fearlessness was too long a word to sound right. We need to not have fear. And we see that too over and over again. He says, have courage, but don't be afraid. That was in Joshua 1.9. I'm going to read it again. I know we're reading these verses a lot, but I hope they'll stick in our heads and our hearts. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be, I love this. He didn't just say afraid. Do not be terrified. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It's interesting because he says, be strong and courageous for different things. And this one, don't be terrified. I don't know about you, but there's times I'm terrified. I was terrified at elections. (laughs) We were here both times, both furloughs fell on elections. And the second one, I just couldn't believe it. I, I mean, a lot of you are probably the same way. I just kept thinking, this cannot be happening. I was terrified. What's happening to our country? Because said, Alan, I'm God. I'm on the throne. Who are you trusting in? And we need to take that fear out. Because we know fear is not from him. The word says that. Fear is not of God. So there's no room for fear and courage. Am I right? All those soldiers who go out there, you can't have fear. You put fear aside. You go by faith. And you fight. And that's what we're called to, is to fight with courage and to fight without fear, but having faith in our God. Joshua 1.9 said, don't be terrified. Joshua, uh, sorry, in John 
If you want to look at that one, I'd encourage you to turn your Bibles. Because this is Jesus. He knew what we were going to be facing. So he's talking to his disciples and he says, there's going to be some hard times. People are going to come up against you. And he was encouraging the disciples, saying, I am coming, and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. But I am leaving this world. And the disciples said, now we're starting to get it. The disciples said, now you're speaking plainly and simply. Jesus said, you believe at last. He was finally saying, you're finally getting it. But he warns them. Look at verse 32. But time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Now he's referring to the crucifixion when they were going to run. And they did. They abandoned him. But he's not alone. He knew the Father was with him. So he says to them here, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Remember what I told you earlier? That word take heart is to stand strong, to have courage. I have overcome the world. Take heart. And then look with me at Acts 4.13 where we see an example. Just a couple chapters over, two chapters. Two books, I mean. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Here's Peter and John, and the disciple, and they are um, before the Sanhedrin. They've been accused and tried, and, um, and they're speaking boldly with the Holy Spirit to these people, to the leaders about their faith. And what's interesting, if you look at verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had this confidence, this courage in them that did not have fear. They spoke boldly. The word there that says, um, when they saw the courage, that word courage is a different courage in Greek. That courage, uh, this word in Greek that they translate courage actually means all speaking. Now, that doesn't make sense to you probably, like it didn't to me, but when you take it in the Greek context, it means to speak freely. It means that you're not afraid to say anything. And there's this absence of fear that says, you know what, I have nothing to lose. You're going to kill me anyway, so I'm just going to speak freely. There's nothing holding you back. That's fearlessness. Fearlessness to say, I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of salvation. I am unashamed to stand for my Savior who gave his life for me. I am unashamed to speak freely and boldly. What a great example we have just in the disciples as well. And then, turn to Philippians, a few more books down. Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 1, 12 to 14. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's writing. He's been imprisoned. He's been persecuted. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Verse 14, because of my chains, though, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Fear was gone. They saw Paul suffering. And they said, he's suffering for speaking the truth and for proclaiming Christ. Why are we afraid? We should speak up too and be brave and have courage. That courage without fear. We also are called to live today and we need desperately in the body of Christ do we need to wait until we become like China? 
or like these other uh, third world Middle Eastern countries where Islam has taken rule and Christian, Christians are being persecuted. They're having to go into hiding. And you hear about the rare martyrs today, the pastors who are going to prison or the people who are going to prison for sharing their faith. Do we need to wait till we get there? We need to be bold today and to be able to speak up and stand strong. Not to be ashamed of what people call us or characterized by them. God is calling for us to be courageous today. I was convicted by this just by doing this message and just thinking of the times, the places in my life or the, the areas of my life where I don't have courage. The courage to sit, when I hear people talking about the compromise in society or the morals or the different choices that's going on in society, not to say, I don't agree with that. You know, a lot of times we avoid those because we don't want to get into those long discussions, but we can pray for wisdom. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Ephesians 2 says, Paul prays that, I pray the eyes of your heart be open so you can see the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. And he can give you understanding, it says, of the word of God. We have that same power. We have God to give us wisdom. We need courage to stand strong. We need courage to be able to lead our families, to take the Bible and open every day, to be able to bring God into our conversation, to lessons with our children and our grandchildren, to be able to look for ways to glorify God and to praise him and to say, thank you, God, for that. And let people see that we praise God and recognize him. As we sang this morning, can we sing that outside? It takes courage to live for Christ. So this is the challenge I have for you, is are we going to live or are we living courageously or are we living cowardly for God? We don't want to live cowardly. No one wants to be called a coward. But the truth is, if we're not living courageously, we are living cowardly. And the question is, would you commit to living courageously for God? I feel God's calling me to that a little bit more courageously, a little bit more courageously. It was in the movie Gladiators, if you remember that movie. It was a great movie. It was extremely gross and, and, and gory for the time when it came out. But you remember in the battle, if you saw the movie, before they went to the last battle, Maximus, Russell Crowe, was uh, giving his speech to the soldiers before they would go and basically risk it all. And he says, what, uh, what you do in this life will echo in eternity. What we do in this life will echo in eternity. And it's the same for us as Christians. Obviously, it was first for us. It applies to everybody. But as Christians, how do, what do we want to echo in eternity? We want to be represented as soldiers of Christ who live courageously for our God. Or do we want to be cowards? It will echo in eternity. Will you join me for prayer? Father God, I come before you also just in this apprehension, I guess. It's, uh, it's one thing to say, to read the verse and say, hey, be strong and be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. It sounds like such a great uh, banner to put over us um, when we're going into tests or exams or if we're going into a, a surgery. But it's in the daily life that you've called us to be strong and courageous. Like Joshua, there's, it's not just about the battles, it's about daily life. And it wasn't something that we can just conjure up on our own, but it required faith in a God who knows what he's doing, who we believe in and trust his promises, who's given us everything we have, eternal life, but even now, new life, victory, forgiveness and grace and love. I want to have courage, more courage. I need you to show me where I need to have more courage. And I pray that each of us here would ask that same thing. God, show, us, show me where I need courage. Courage to live for you.
courage to live the way you want me to live. Courage to follow you, to obey your law, to obey you, to, to stand up for you. May we be your courageous children and soldiers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.